Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for Parents Ears Only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Hello, and welcome back to the 3D Parent Podcast. So we are in the midst of currently the stay-at-home orders here in Washington State during the pandemic. And my topic today, I think, is going to be kind of relevant, and it is supporting sibling relationships. With most of us all home under one roof, we have a lot of time for sibling togetherness. And there's a lot of positives that are coming with families being together and spending so many so many hours of every day together under one roof, but I'm sure also many of you are experiencing some challenges coming along with that, and at the root of a lot of those challenges often is sibling relationships. So I wanted to talk about this topic. It's a huge topic and one that I probably will return to multiple times to talk about specific areas having to do with siblings. I'm not going to talk today about adjusting to welcoming a new sibling into a family, although obviously that's happening at this time as well. But I wanted to focus more on managing sibling conflict and also helping your children bond with one another. So helping with sibling bonding and helping them foster a strong relationship with each other. So let's start off first with the problems. Let's first start off with managing sibling conflict. If you have more than one child, chances are this is something you're very familiar with. And some kids get along great. Other kids tend to have a very passionate relationship with a lot of fighting. And most of us experience a little bit of both. And with all this togetherness, all this time during while we're home um, with schools closed, uh, you're probably seeing some ebb and flows between your children and their relationships. One of the benefits that you're probably noticing is that when kids have not been separated all day long, you're not having to deal with them reconnecting at the end of the day, which sometimes can be problematic. I know for my youngest two kids, oftentimes I'll pick them up from school. They're so excited to see each other for about 30 seconds, and then we hop into the car and they're immediately fighting. And it's like that transition from school and being away from each other all day long to seeing each other again always comes with a lot of clunks in the road. And I have to be super intentional about leading the energy at that time, giving them snacks, trying to engage with them so that it keeps them from fighting with each other. And if I don't do that, then we're kind of just dealing with a lot of arguing on the car ride home, which is always unpleasant for everybody. Oftentimes with the side of pulling over to the side of the street to kind of take a child out of the car and talk to them and kind of resettle. But we live close to school, thankfully, and usually it's a pretty quick drive to get home and then sort things out once we're there. 
But without having school and without having periods of separation between your siblings, you're not having to deal with those types of kind of re-entry moments that can be, like I said, kind of funky after school or when your kids have been separated for periods of time. So when you are together right now and your kids are having a challenge. They're having some type of a conflict. Maybe it's a fight over a toy. Maybe it's just they've been around each other all day long and somebody's annoying the other one. Sometimes they, you know, just are making a sound and that's driving the other one crazy. And it, it can be the silliest things that cause kids to melt down and to get into some type of a conflict. Years ago, when I was uh, just really immersing myself in the study of child development, and I was attending lots of workshops, particularly workshops from the uh, Dr. Gordon Newfeld Institute. I attended a conference and I was thrilled to attend the conference on the topic of siblings. And I thought, oh my gosh, all this information I'm reading, um, the classes I'm taking, I was so resonating with this information. I was just so excited to go to this workshop on siblings to get the perspective and learn kind of the tricks of how to stop sibling conflict. And I sat through the session and it was very enlightening and informative. But what I came away with was like, awesome. There is no simple, easy trick. You just have to go through. And the reality is that it is really all on my shoulders and my husband's shoulders. That this is not like, oh, there's some magic sauce that I pour on top of the kids and they no longer have conflict with each other. Number one strategy that was shared again and again and again was when kids have conflict, you need to separate them. And that seems kind of obvious, but a lot of times parents will go right into trying to problem solve with kids and try and get them to get along. Sometimes that's possible, but most of the time it's not. Most of the time the frustration level is too high and there's no way that kids can kind of talk through their issues or problems in a way that would be helpful at all. The key here at this moment is separating. So taking a child to one area, getting them going on an activity, and then kind of giving a little time for people to cool off. And then you can kind of go in and address what needs to be addressed. But step one, almost always is separation. Now it's important that that separation happens without it feeling like punishment, without it feeling like shaming. It's just like, oh, things are not working right now with you guys being together, we're going to separate and we're going to go to different areas right now. We're going to go to different locations right now because it's not working to be together right now. It's simple. It's cut and dry. There's no judgment associated with it. It's just simply separate. We're going to go do our own things right now and we could hang out together later. That can be really helpful. When you are separating the kids, there may be a child who seems particularly frustrated with whatever is going on that child might need to have a safe place right now to vent their frustrations. And you need to allow them to do that, but you wanna do that in privacy. This again is that idea that dignity, the first D from 3D parent, preserving a child's dignity to be able to express their frustrations, not in front of an audience, not in front of their sibling, but they're having a challenge with. And they might have to say some things that would be very hurtful for the other child to hear that they should feel able to get off their chest. They should be able to say things like, you know, my sister is bugging me so much right now and really making me mad. And sometimes I wish I didn't have a little sister. It's important that your child have the ability to vent that, but you don't want the other child to hear that because that could be really wounding and hurtful. However, those feelings are there and they need to be vented. And you need to be able to listen to those without trying to make it better. Oh, but your sister loves you. Oh, but your sister loves playing with you. You don't want to go right into trying to problem solve or making it better. You just need to listen 
and let your child express the way that they're feeling and feel those feelings because they're very vulnerable if they're going to express them and acknowledge that that's normal to feel that way and it's okay and that you understand that's really needs to happen in that moment. Once the kids kind of seem like they've calmed down and they can kind of be in each other's presence again, stay close. You are the answer to solving sibling problems. So if you just kind of go and you're not nearby, you're not able to step in when you feel like things are going sideways. You may not hear about it until something has gotten really escalated, maybe some hitting or kicking or things have gotten really, really difficult and you've not been there to intercede sooner to separate and stop what's going on. So stay close if your kids are really prone to a lot of conflict so that you can step in when necessary. If there's been a conflict and uh, maybe their child has lost control, has um, hit, has lashed out and said some unkind words, it's important, as I said, to empathize and let your child express and vent. It's also important, though, to set limits and reinforce that I know you know it's not okay to hit. I understand you're really upset that this happened. So you're still setting those limits and reinforcing what is not okay. It's not that your child doesn't know that already, but you're reinforcing that you know that you know it's not okay to hit, but I understand you got really upset. Then you can offer next time solutions to that child. So next time this happens, before you get to that point where you're so frustrated, come find me if I'm not nearby. Next time this happens, you know, give other options so that they know what they can do if a similar conflict arises in the future. You always want to offer yourself as the primary resource. A lot of parents sometimes think, oh, well, maybe I should just let my kids sort it out for themselves. That would be wonderful if we were dealing with fully evolved, mature human beings. We're not. We're dealing with the immature. We're dealing with the young, the emotionally immature. And because of that, you as the mature, evolved human being need to be the one to offer yourself as a resource. So when there's problems, I need to be a part of this. So I can help before things get out of control. Take your child who maybe has done something like hit another child and immediately go, go say you're sorry. I go into that in more depth, another podcast that I recorded a little while back, all about apologizing. Um, so if you want more on that, I encourage you to look at that podcast. But just know that forcing a sorry before a child's ready is never a good idea. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't come out right. It's not going to solve the problem. In fact, it can sometimes make things worse. I'm going to give you another way about handling uh, kind of coaching kids through conflict resolution in another couple of minutes. And I'm actually going to um, be bringing in two of my children, my two youngest, to help demonstrate that, which should be kind of cute. Um, but anyway, I want to move on here with some other ideas of how to kind of help avoid or deal with sibling conflict. Another suggestion is to avoid the use of even and fair language. Any of us who have more than one child, we've heard it's not fair. Probably more times than we ever hope to hear our entire lives for the rest of our lives. It's not fair seems to be kind of the war cry of children when they have siblings. You need to embrace the idea that it's not going to be fair. It might be different. That does not mean it's not unfair. It takes kids a lot of experience to embrace the idea that, you know, not everything is going to look exactly the same. That does not necessarily mean that it's not fair. But if we start playing into, okay, I'm going to make these slices of cake exactly even. I'm going to make sure this is fair. I'm going to count out every single individual M&M to make sure that you have 10 and then you also have 10. If we start playing into this idea of even and fairness, our kids certainly pick up on it and it will be even more part of their 
go to battle cry. It's not fair. So don't use it yourself. Don't play into making things even and fair all the time. It's impossible to make things always even and fair, nor is it necessarily the right thing to do. And I'll go into that a little bit more in a minute when I talk a bit about kind of like the uh, natural hierarchy that exists within families in terms of age and what comes along with being older children versus younger children in families. So instead of a child does say, that's not fair, so-and-so got a larger serving of pasta, rather than jumping right into the, it's not fair, just jump into what is being communicated. As I've said often, behavior is communication. And so if your child's saying, that's not fair, so-and-so got a bigger serving of pasta than me, just say, oh, it sounds like you want more pasta. Would you like a little bit more pasta? Why don't you let me know if that looks like enough? So it's not about fairness. It's about addressing the fact that this child is hungry and maybe needs more. Or you could say, oh my gosh, I'd be happy to give you more. Why don't you finish what's on your plate? And if you finish it, I'd love to give you more. It's not about trying to be unfair. It's just about giving everybody some scoops of pasta. And it's not about keeping things even or fair. It's about the fact that I'm trying to meet your needs. And if you finish that and you want more, you're welcome to it. And I'd be happy to get that for you. So again, rather than jumping right into the fairness Focus instead on what is being communicated, the bigger picture. Oh, it sounds like you wanted to have more pasta. If your kids are prone to a lot of aggression, they get into a lot of physical altercations, a lot of kicking, it can be a really good idea to present activities for them to do when they're getting along that are play that is aggressive in nature. A great example of that might be a water balloon fight pom-pom fights, paper ball fights, pool noodle fights, pillow fights, basically play fighting. Now, you know your own kids and you would probably would know if some of these things might get out of control and may not be a good idea between siblings. But if you feel like some of these ideas that your kids would think were great, it can be a really good way to kind of release a little aggressive steam between siblings by letting them play fight and play at aggression. When we're playing, there's no rules, there's no limits. It's not real fighting is what I'm trying to say. So when kids are play fighting, you do want to agree upon rules and parameters uh, in terms of, you know, oh, you don't want to hit anybody in the, in the head with the pool noodle. You can only hit each other's pool noodles, not each other's bodies with them. So you do want to agree upon some rules, but it's not real fighting. Everybody understands that this is play. And because of that, it's a safe place to kind of release some aggressive energy that might make it less likely for kids to turn on each other physically when they are frustrated, when they are mad, because they've already released some of this energy through play. If you find that there is a common area of conflict between your kids, that's a perfect place to set up some type of a rule or structure around it. So this would be something like where everybody sits at the table during mealtime. Oh my gosh, if your kids are always fighting over who sits where, who sits in what seat, who sits next to what parent or what sibling, set up a ruler structure. You may have to rotate things. You may have to find some way that this is the table uh, assignment for right now, and we're going to mix it up next month. It'll look different. Whatever works for you, set up a rule or structure around it. Another thing that can happen is, oh, who pushes the elevator buttons? I don't know what it is about elevator buttons, but there's something about them, and kids love pushing them, and then the other Children get frustrated and mad about it and everybody gets upset. So maybe there's a rule about whoever pushes the outside button, the other one gets to push the inside button. 
and it rotates. Whatever the rule or structure you set up can help decrease the amount of conflict. Seating arrangements is a big one in my family. So where people sit in the car, where people sit in meals, that can really help. So just an area of common conflict, set a rule or structure that is just the way we do things versus constantly having to break up the same fight over and over and over again. Sharing between siblings. Sharing can sometimes, particularly if kids are close in age or have similar interests, sharing can be a, a big topic of a lot of conflict. So what you wanna do is if there are any toys or activities that are in common areas, if you have a playroom or a living room or an area where everybody kind of shares the space, toys that are in those space or activities that are in that space you need to have a family agreement that those are open to anyone to play with. Not saying that if a child is already playing with a toy that they have to automatically give it up to another child. It just means that it has to be an option eventually when it is not being played with. If it's in the common areas, it's available for anybody. If there are any toys that are deemed too special, then those things, we have a child maybe not willing to share with an, another sibling, a certain toy, then those things you can say, all right, if that's too special to share, then you're going to put that away in your room or in your closet or in a special box or a drawer that can only be played with in private. So to keep here in this common area so that everybody can play with it, then it gets put away and you can play with it by yourself. What often will happen is a child will be like, okay, fine, it can stay here, but I just want to play with it first, which is fine. If a child has played with something first, there's no need to force them to immediately give it up to their sibling a little while later. However, if a child is not willing to ever share something, then it should not be in a common area. It should be saved for kind of private playtime when the other sibling is not around. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. Another tip in terms of conflict with your kids, just general conflict, is to avoid falling to the trap of being judge and jury. And that's where a parent sometimes gets trapped by hearing one side if they've not been privy to a certain conflict and then hear the other side and then both sides are making their cases and then the parent is the jury or judge and has to decide who's right, who's wrong, who loses something, who gets something and so on. You wanna avoid being in that situation 100% because that just fosters more and more and more sibling conflict. Instead, you wanna help coach your children through expressing when they have had a problem and coach them through making amends. Now, again, as I said in the very beginning, the first thing you wanna do is separate kids if there's been a conflict. You don't wanna try and facilitate problem solving between siblings if they're still frustrated, if a child is still upset, if both kids are uh, just boiling over with aggression or anger, now is not the time. But when people have calmed down and siblings have been separated for a period of time, and this might be in a few minutes, it might be a few hours, it might even be like the next day, but when you come bring the kids back together, you need to do what we call in our family, and we picked up this term from our preschool teacher from my youngest two kids who we just adore, Leanne. She uses a, a phrase, check-in. And we've kind of adopted that and made it our own in our home. But the phrase check-in for us means taking responsibility and checking in with a child that you might have wronged, that you might have done something wrong with, uh, that you might have hurt in some way. 
And then the two kids kind of have an opportunity to kind of express themselves, to be heard, to take responsibility. Oftentimes there was a responsibility that needs to be taken on both sides. And then it gives them a chance to kind of make amends. And that might sound like an amasari, or it might sound like something different. So because my whole family is home right now, because we're on the stay-at-home orders, the shelter in place during the pandemic, I have my two youngest kids, Maisie and Reeve, who thought it'd be fun to join in on my podcast. And they were going to demonstrate for you what a check-in sounds like. So I'm going to grab them and bring them here to demonstrate a check-in for you. So now I'm joined by two of my kids. Why don't you each introduce yourself and give your name and your age? My name is Maisie and I'm seven years old. My name is Weave and I am five years old. Great. And we talked about what we call check-ins in our home. And I was wondering if either of you could describe in your own words, what is a check-in? Maisie, why don't you say what a check-in is? A check-in is where like you do something bad but then you regret it so then you like check in with your friend or whoever you hurt feelings and then you like self taste say sorry you make things right yeah okay good do you have anything to add to that Reeve? what a check-in is a check-in is when you say sorry to other people that you accidentally hit or a scratch or yeah. Or if you do something that's not nice, right? Do you always have to say the words, I'm sorry, when you do a check-in? Yeah, no, not always. Not always? What else could a check-in sound like or look like? Like you could help someone giving them an ice pack or you could play with them. Or maybe they asked you before that like, Maybe they want to play with you, so then you say, how about I play with you now? Okay, so sometimes a check-in might not end with the words, I'm sorry, but your sorry looks or sounds different, like you just described, yeah. Do you agree with that, Reeve? The check-in isn't always in the I'm sorry. A lot of times it includes the words, I'm sorry, but it doesn't have to, to be a check-in. Okay, so we thought it'd be kind of fun to act out an example of what a check-in might sound like in our household. And we came up with an example where we were pretending that Reeve was playing with a stuffy and Maisie came and grabbed the stuffy out of her hand. And Reeve got really mad and hit Maisie. And I heard a big fight going on and I came down and I separated them until they calmed down. And then they calmed down and I brought them back together again to do a check-in. So let's demonstrate what that might sound like. All right, Maisie, why don't you go ahead and start your check-in with Reeve. Are you okay? No. No. I'm sorry for what I did. I'll never do it again. Do you want me to play with you now? Yes. And do you have anything that you want to say to check in with Maisie Reeve? Yes. What do you want to say? I'm sorry that I hit you. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. And now you guys feel better? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now you guys want to go play together? Yes. yes. Great. So great job checking in. And thank you, Maisie and Ree, for demonstrating for us what a check-in sounds like. Do you think check-ins work out pretty well in our family? Yeah. They yeah. do. Do you usually end up feeling pretty good after we've done a check-in? Yeah. 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 That's why we use them. They work pretty well. All right. Thanks for joining us on the 3D Parent Podcast.
Bye. So that's it on the helping kids through uh, the sibling conflict. I wanted to um, now talk about helping with sibling bonding. Um, there's a term that Dr. Neufeld uses often when talking about helping kind of facilitate a relationship between two people. And this could be between your child and their teacher, between your child and a babysitter. And it could even mean between your children your own children and their siblings. So when you are playing matchmaker, just like you think about in terms of a romantic matchmaker, you are basically trying to find ways to endear two people to one another by kind of being this in-between person that kind of helps plant seeds into the siblings, into your children's heads that kind of foster feelings of love towards one another. So some ways that you can do this between your siblings to match make is you can identify times when maybe you can go privately to one child and deliver something that the other one has said to about them. So you might be like, oh my gosh, you know how yesterday you taught your brother to play chess? He loved that so much. And he thought it was so cool to spend that time with you and that you taught him how to play chess. That kind of relaying that it was so special and meaningful, that kind of sticks with the child and it kind of makes that child feel good. You can find other opportunities to kind of share comments, observations that you make that are really positive between siblings that you share with them in private. The key is to do it in private, kind of like you're giving them a little secret and you're kind of planting these little seeds. Um, another thing you can do between siblings, and this is particularly helpful if you're dealing with a child that maybe gets jealous about a younger sibling. You know, the babies of the family who tend to get a lot of attention. The next oldest child sometimes has feelings of resentment and jealousy towards the attention that the youngest or younger children might get. So a way that you can kind of help match make between that kind of a dynamic between siblings is to kind of be almost like on the same level with the older child. So that when the younger one does something funny or cute or silly, you kind of notice it together with the older child and kind of do almost like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, oh my gosh, isn't so-and-so so adorable? Isn't so-and-so so funny? And it's kind of like your little secret that you're kind of acknowledging and observing something together without calling it to the attention of the younger sibling. That again, helps kind of form this endearing feelings towards the younger sibling versus getting annoyed with them for getting attention for being cute and younger and little. Another thing, I mentioned this earlier, and this again is language borrowed from Dr. Neufeld, is to encourage the natural hierarchy that exists within families from oldest children down to youngest children. Part of this plays into the topic I already mentioned in terms of fairness and not playing into keep trying to keep everything fair or even. Part of it is acknowledging that if there is more than one child, there is a natural hierarchy that exists in your family. Yes, the parents at the top and the siblings are kind of next in line, but within the siblings, there's a birth order that exists. And unless you have twins, there's, you know, a birth order. There's an older child, the younger child. If there's more than two, you have, you know, the next and so on. And so this natural order that should be acknowledged and celebrated. And the oldest children should have more privileges and more responsibilities that come with their older age. So that's a way that you can kind of 
make uh, that it's not fair go away by kind of acknowledging that like, listen, this is what happens in our family when you get to be this age. And when you get to be that age, you'll get to do that too. So it may not feel fair right now. You hear this a lot for kids when an older child gets old enough to have something that's really special and coveted, let's say like a phone. And then the younger kids, oh, I want a phone. That's not fair. I want a phone. Well, listen, when you get old enough and you see that you have the responsibility and the maturity to handle something like a phone, own, you might be able to get one too. And so it's not a matter of everybody gets a phone because we're keeping things fair and even. Nope, it has to do with an age, a responsibility, and a privilege that comes with being an older child versus a younger child. Another thing you can do to reinforce and bring out the best in this natural hierarchy is to encourage older siblings to be natural leaders and to teach their younger siblings. Teach them to caretake their younger siblings, to teach them things that they know how to do that the younger siblings may not know how to do. You can do this with obvious things like babysitting, but then also if an older child knows how to do a particular skill or knows how to cook and can follow the instructions, they can teach the younger siblings to do so. If an older child knows how to ride a bike or a skateboard or a scooter, they can teach younger siblings things they know how to do. If an older child knows how to play a particular game, even a really simple game, and they can teach a younger child how to play it, that can be a really positive way of using hierarchy that exists in family in a way that can really keep more family cohesiveness together versus constant fighting about fairness and keeping things even. You want to actually take advantage of what is naturally given to you in having more than one child, this natural hierarchy. That can really help with families not having as much conflict. As I said, a lot of the material that I've pulled from today has come from some conferences I've taken through the Newfield Institute, but also through one of my favorite parenting books on the topic of siblings written by Dr. Laura Markham, who has AHA Parenting website. And it's called Peaceful Parent, Happy Siblings. And she has a lot of great ideas and resources in her book that goes into more detail on some of these topics because they tend to be a lot of conflict in your family between siblings. It might be worth picking up a copy. This book is one of my favorites on the subject and it helps uh, to be able to kind of further your understanding and things you may be doing without, you know, unintentionally that may be feeding into more sibling conflict than is necessary. So thank you so much for joining me today on the topic of supporting sibling relationships. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one -on -one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the3dparent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D Parent Podcast.